Once again, good morning, everyone. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, please, to Matthew, the 15th chapter. In conjunction with the reading we've just heard, I'd like to look at another verse. Matthew 15, beginning in verse 16. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked him? Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. It is good to see everybody here this morning. I'm so glad that you were able to make it. Obviously, we have a lot of people traveling for the holidays. But nonetheless, it is very good to be with you all. You're the salt of the earth, it says. But a salt can lose its saltiness. Brethren, young and old, as I speak to you this morning, both young and old, and I want to qualify that. I'm sure that there are some people here that think I'm young. I'm sure that there are some people here that think I'm old. I'm sure there's some little ones who probably think I'm very old. But to the young and to the old, how many of you will be influenced by something outside of your own self-will? Maybe music, we're affected by the weather, money, power. We've just seen a recent election where money and power have been the two greatest things known to man on, on our continent in this election. But we are uh, affected by these things. I suspect that that would be most of us. Yet often, whether we realize it or not, you are a significant influence on others, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're rich or poor. A lot of times we don't even realize the significance or impact we make in others' lives. And I say that to you very young children, I say that to you very elderly people. Doesn't matter how young or how old, we still make a tremendous impact on those that are around about us. In this past week or so, and I don't know if the Lord was putting thoughts on my heart for this sermon, who knows. For several times this idea has been brought to my attention. I've been reminded twice just in this past week, once by Mary, that someone said they were watching me in conversation. They made positive comment about that, thankfully. It wasn't something that was on a negative. But it was unbeknownst to me. I had no clue that they were watching me. Another time, it was mentioned by a child that we were with, who was about 12 years old, who noticed that I was standing in the food line. We were at a brother's house, and we were standing in the food line, and I was waiting for the ladies to go through, as a gentleman ought to do. Gentlemen, keep that in mind. And a little girl, about 12 years old, looked up at me and said, Mr. Wayne, shouldn't you be getting in that line? And I said, no, sweetheart, I'm waiting for the ladies to go through and the elderly gentleman that was with us and, and a visitor to the family. But at 12 years old, she noticed this. On Thanksgiving Day, we had a speakerphone conversation. Mary and I went to visit some very close brethren of ours for Thanksgiving in Missouri. And the four of us are also very good friends with another couple in California who we haven't seen in some time. 
and we got on, she said, we should call Lil. And I picked up my phone and I called Lil and we were talking to her on speakerphone, the four of us. And she had made mention that how she misses us, of course, in the general conversation. She said, Mary, I was just thinking of you yesterday. I remember when we had first met 40 years ago, brethren. She said that you had taught me how to fold a fitted sheet. And the things that you had said to me that encouraged me. And Mary didn't remember the conversation. It was just a small potatoes thing. But 40 years later, something very small that she had said or done had affected and impacted this woman. And 40 years later, when she's folding a sheet, she thinks of that very special thought of some minor thing that she had done. Brethren, you just never know. You never know the littlest, smallest things, let alone the large statements that you make of positive or negative impact, how they may affect other people. How many of us are influenced or affected by other people? In retrospect, how many do you think that you influence? How many of us are, now, I'm, I'm a people person. When we go to the beach or different places, I like to sit by the wall on the bench, and I call it watching the weirdos walk by. Because you just, you see all sorts of things at the different places that you travel to. Do you watch people? Do you see the things they do? Whether you're aware of it or not, you probably do. Because I'll say, Mary, look at that. Did you see that? Did you see that? Look at this. Not in a gossipy way, but just out of fun and, and watching people. Do you notice the things that people say and do? And again, young or old, whether we realize it or not, or whether we'll admit it or not, we see and otherwise observe people in their daily behaviors in life. Sometimes we emulate it. We find that it's a good thing and we learn from others and, and we follow their patterns. Other times we find a little bit of disdain in it and sometimes we even remove ourselves altogether from it. In today's sermon, I would like to ask you to listen to my words because in word and in deed, all the things we do impact other people. Hopefully, they will influence you to be aware of and to consider the influence you have on others. And yes, we do all have influence on others by our words and our deeds. Every one of us has that power within. A lot of times it's our attitude. The proposition is our Christian influence. It should reflect good, not evil. We're Christians, we're brethren, faith. We need to be mindful of that in all that we say and do. And that influence is wielded through our example of words and actions. It can be seen through our associations, who we hang around with, what we're doing with them. But our influence should be obvious to all because it may ultimately affect our salvation. Whether you lead somebody to Christ or whether you push them away. The objectives today, each here in this audience should be able to understand that he or she has an influence and that influence should be used to further the cause of Christ not hinder it because hindering, hindering and influencing somebody negatively in, in and of itself could be sin we want to stay away from it the first sermon I ever delivered and I'm going back 40 years was called the apple of your eye and I preached the lesson, not ever thinking 40 years later I'd be standing here talking about a similar topic. I was a young man, 
every bit of 20 years old maybe, very young and new Christian, very insecure, as you might imagine, nervous, no, not nervous, I guess I was, I was probably petrified to be up at the pulpit. I had never done any public speaking. But I gave that sermon based on who I admired in the congregation. And I didn't as much call names, but it was clear that some of the older men when I was 20, and at that time when they were my age, they were very old to me. But they had a tremendous impact. But the encouragement that I received afterwards from that first sermon I ever delivered, from the brethren about the thoughts that I had given to them that day on, you never know whose eye or whose apple you're in their eye. You just never know. But I received from them encouragement and kind words about what I perceived the word of God to teach on that. I influenced them mildly with God's word and they influenced, influenced me greatly with their words of kindness. And that caused me to continue in the faith and to grow and to follow after the word of God. That I might become a stronger, mature individual in Christ. I want to reinforce that concept today. That we must excel at having good influence on other people. Because that's who we are as Christians. We read Matthew chapter 5. Turn there again with me if you will. I'd like to revisit that. Matthew 5 verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither did the people light a lamp and put it under a bulb, and instead they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. <clears throat> From this passage, we understand that Christians are to be like salt and like light. How many of you like salt? Most of us, I think, do. Salt is a seasoning that influences other things that we eat. <clears throat> it's an influence that improves flavor and adds to the taste about what we are eating. Think about some of the things you put salt on. We put salt on apple slices on french fries, on popcorn, on mashed potatoes, chips, caramel, who doesn't like a good salted caramel something or other ice cream or apple on a stick, whatever it might be, soft pretzels, and the list just goes on and on and on. <clears throat> it's not typical for somebody to just take salt out of the shaker and eat salt, though I must admit I've done it. I've done it, I like salt. I don't do it anymore, I know that's not particularly good for you, and I don't like that much salt at one time. But we do use it to enhance our flavors. Light is something that we use to see around us. It, has a, it, has a, it is an influence that improves our, vil, our visibility of other objects. You can get up in a dark room and feel your way around, kind of know where you are. But if you have a light that will reflect where things are and what's around you, that's a good thing. It's not typical either, like you don't just eat salt, to stare into a light. 
those of us that have done that before, and we probably all have at some point, you look into a light and sometimes you see those spots before your eyes. It's not good to do that. When I was a teenager, my father was a welder. He was a metal guy. And I went to his shop with him one evening and helped him do some things. I was punching out some things on the drill for him to weld up and, and do. But he was welding right over here beside of me and I kept seeing that light and you know, you glance over at it, he'd zzz, and you'd hear it work. And I'd look over and I'd look over and I'd look over. After a couple hours, I had flash burns. And if you don't know what flash burns are, it's where your eyes get very, very sore and it feels like somebody has thrown hot sand into your eyes. And I suffered with that for probably 24 to 48 hours. It was way too much light. These things that we're talking about, light and salt, are influences for the purposes of flavoring or illuminating something other than yourself. Christians are like salt and light in that they ought to have an influence on those that are around them. If our influence isn't being used for good, then we're like the salt that has lost its savor and of no particular value. Influence means the capacity, the power or capacity of causing an effect, whether in indirect or intangible ways. Another definition is to affect or alter by indirect or intangible means. So when you see that, you are not supposed to be the subject of, but you are supposed to be to the benefit of the other people who see you, and as your light reflects, it causes them to see other things around them. Does that make sense? When you go into the room, you turn on the light, you're not looking at the light, but the light causes you to be able to see things that you otherwise wouldn't be able to see. Therefore, if you are the light, the people aren't going to be looking directly at you, but the reflection that you leave around you they see those things very clearly. They see the things that you will cause them to identify. Our influence should therefore be to positively affect or alter someone or something through the way one of us may live our Christian life. Through the words that we speak or the actions that we do to cause another to choose what is right. And whether you're the very elderly or you're the very young, people are watching you. They see what you do. They know where your heart is by your words and by the things that you do. A bad influence will be to negatively affect or alter some, someone or something through the way one's, one lives one's life so as to indirectly cause another to choose that which is wrong. To the young people, young boys and girls that are in school, elementary and middle school, how many times do you hear your parents say to you, just because he or she did it doesn't mean you can do it. They're not just saying those words, kids, because they want to be mean parents. They're saying that because they love you and they want you to do the right thing. And they want you to be a good person. People have, in general, an influence on others, whether they intend to or not, whether they know it or not. Our Christian influence should reflect, again, good, not evil. But you have to know the difference between good and evil to be able to project it. In Hebrews, the fifth chapter, we learn. It says, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. When you become a Christian, no matter how old or young you are, it doesn't take you very long that you start focusing on God and his word, 
to come to realize the things that are good and the things that are not so good. The things that you have done that you need to change and the things that you've done that are good that you need to re-examine and continue. Influence must reflect that which is holy and pure. In Matthew 5.48, we're told to be perfect, to be holy. Um, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, NIV version. In 1 Peter, the first chapter, verses 16, 15 and 16, it says, But just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be, be holy, because I am holy. And if you're going to follow after the Father, then you need to adopt that. Adapt it into your life. Our influence must not give place or opportunity to the devil to speak. Because he will, just as quickly as he can, be right in behind you, being that influence. Ephesians 4.27 says, neither give place to the devil. The longer you live, the stronger you become, the more he's going to be after you. And I can attest to that personally, brethren. I'm in my 60s. I thought life was going to get easier. I thought the temptations would subside as I grew in my faith and became a, a man and a gentleman and a father and a husband and all these things in life that we go through that you guys will soon be going through. And these little kids are going to be watching you. So you think about what you do and say. But here I am in my 60s thinking life should be better. And life is good. I have a good life. I make a good living. I have a wonderful wife. I have children that I love. I have grandsons that I adore. The stronger you get in the faith, the more you know, the more ways Satan will have to try to disrupt your life and influence you through your own thoughts and through other people. <clears throat> the example of Balaam in Revelation 2, when he talked about the church at Ephesus, he says, But these things, this I have against you, that you've forgotten your first love. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast him that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols in this case. We do things that we either know or don't know that cause other people to stumble, and we need to be aware of those things. We should be looking at all times what, what reflection we are leaving with other people. How do you carry yourself? How do you speak? What do you do with your words and actions? The choices that we make have repercussions in our own lives <clears throat> and in the lives of others. Titus 3.8 says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I, I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Our words and our actions, he's talking about, the things we do, the things we say. And the most important part of that, brethren, and those of you that are older, well, understand this very clearly. Our words and our actions must harmonize. They have to work together. <coughs> Hypocrites do not have good influence. We have to, if we're going to say it, we have to live it. James 3, verse 17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. I've done 
things that I didn't say I would do, and I haven't done things that I said I would. And that leaves a very strong mark, a very strong mark in people. I work in, a, <clears throat> in an arena that's not very pleasant. I've worked with Teamsters for 40 years. You have no idea, brethren, the things that I see and hear in the workplace. Now, it's not horrible. I maintain myself and fortunately have, I believe, a good reputation in the industry and, it, and in the workplace. But when you're in that environment, it's so easy, so easy to fall off. We have to be strong. We have to do good works. We have to say good words. We have to have good actions. Acts the ninth chapter, verse 36. We know the story of Dorcas, also known as Tabitha. She was described in the scriptures as full of good works and alms deeds. What a wonderful, wonderful thing <clears throat> to be counted in God's word as somebody who is full of good deeds. Titus, the second chapter, verses 7 8 says, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, <clears throat> that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Some people are going to say evil things about you because of your goodness, as we read in class this morning. Those spiritual leaders who were very preeminent in the world were going to come after and kill Christians because they were going to lose their power. First Timothy, the fourth chapter, verse 12 says, Let no man despise thy youth. Young people, did you hear that? Let no man despise thy youth. <clears throat> Be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Our influence can be seen through our associations, those we are round about. We must not follow a multitude of people who do evil. You have to hang around with good people. It's hard to do in today's society. Very hard for our children. I believe that the generations we have today are much different than the generations that some of us grew up with. Mitch had given a lesson just a couple weeks ago about the influence that people have with Facebook and the, the, the evils that can come from it. Even with a good intent where you can utilize that to be a good social media, more times than not will come through with things that are, that are very wrong and evil and influential on our young people. I guess what I'm saying it should be obvious to everyone that we know whether we're a Christian or not. It should be evident by your demeanor, by your behavior, by your words, and by your deeds. It can affect your salvation. Verse 13 in Matthew 5 says, <clears throat> You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's cast out. If we lose our influence of good over people, then we've lost our savor. Evil coming into our lives, when we hang around these bad people, we have to refer back to Galatians 5.9, a little, little leaven leavens the whole lump. 
Galatians 6 and 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, so also shall he reap. And if we live a good life, like Dorcas, Tabitha did, we'll be recognized for our good works, and we will be rewarded. So we've discussed our Christian influence. It should reflect good, not evil. <clears throat> it shows through our example of words and actions. It can be seen throughout our associations. It should be obvious to everyone, and it will affect our salvation. If you're a Christian, and you've fallen away. Has your salt lost its savor? Is your influence working for good or evil? I believe that most of the people, if not all here, have been a very good influence to me and my wife, and we're grateful for that. A very loving, kind group of brethren. And I would encourage you to continue in that. You're good people, and the Lord will find favor. We all need to heed the plan. We need to hear the word. We need to know the word. We need to repent of our sins. And if you haven't been baptized, perhaps it's time. Perhaps you've been influenced through the word of another, <clears throat> through others' deeds, to know what Christianity is. And you know what you need to do to be saved. If that time is before you this very day, we would encourage you to answer the invitation and come forward as together we stand and as we sing.